Hello, and welcome back to another edition of Big Red Huddle. Today is Saturday, February 24th, 2024. We have a fun show on tap. We're going to kick off with some Nebraska basketball. Uh, the boys get a big win on the road on Wednesday night in Bloomington. First Big Ten road win of the season. Always have some good topics for Nebraska football. We'll get into some 2025 QB recruiting. Matt Rule sat down and talked with Tom Chattel. Had some interesting nuggets there that I want to get into. Um, we will then transition to Nebraska baseball. Uh, we've got a few more games under our belt there. We hit on them just slightly last week. We've got more data points to start to uh, draw some conclusions around the season going forward. Wrap up with some national storylines. A um, couple nuggets there for you. But with that, let's huddle up and let's get started. And like I mentioned at the top, we are going to start with Nebraska basketball. Uh, Wednesday night, a huge uh, road win uh, for the boys, 85-70, to 70, like I mentioned at the top of the show. First Big Ten road win of the season. Big monkey off of the back for Fred Hoiberg and his, uh, his squad. Uh, finish up 85-70. Uh, Nebraska played about as well as they possibly could in the first half. Everything was uh, falling early, specifically for Tomonaga. 51-31 at half, up 20. I've been critical of Tomonaga on this show. Um, and since I have been, the guy has just uh, lit the world on fire. So uh, kudos to him for, for coming back strong. He had several um, really, really good games lately. Um, most impressively for me has been his uh, commitment on the defensive end of the floor. But with that being said, obviously he is a um, firecracker on the offensive side. When he gets going, you got to feed him, and that's what ha was happening early in, in Bloomington. Uh, second half, a little bit of deja vu. Uh, Indiana goes on a run, cuts it to three with about 11 minutes to go. I think everybody was having flashbacks of Minnesota at that point in time where we had a similar lead at half. And then within the first eight minutes, they had uh, basically cut the, gotten rid of the lead and then ultimately ended up winning by double digits. This time, though, uh, the team responds, and, and particularly uh, Jamarcus Lawrence. And I was really happy to see um, this kid have success. His best game by far uh, this season, 19 points, 6 boards, 5 assists, 5 of 5 from 3-point range. Um, last couple of games, we he's, he's established himself in this new role of coming off the bench, which ironically is similar to what happened this time last season uh, when he started to come off the bench as a sixth uh, and seventh man off the bench. So um, huge game for him. I'm excited. I don't want to get too far ahead. We got a lot of exciting things for this season. But as I look forward, I'm excited for Jamarcus Lawrence being in that two uh, in that two guard spot. Um, you've got to think we're going to find a true point guard, whether that's Euless getting uh, eligible again or from the transfer portal, which will allow Lawrence to slide into that two-guard spot. I think that's where he belongs. I think his game has been stunted a little bit by trying to force him into the point guard's role. But with that being said, the experience from this season in that spot just excites me for his uh, development going forward. So, um, excited for him individually, excited for this team. They needed a road win. They got the monkey off of their back. And really, before I start to get into big picture of this team, um, I want to reinforce what I've said a few times about this squad and why I think they're different from other Nebraska teams in the past. 
and that is they're not reliant on a single player or two any given night. As I mentioned previously, I've been critical of Tominaga. Hoiberg has sat Tominaga in several big wins when he doesn't have it early. And so Wednesday night, it was Tominaga with 20, Williams 18, Gary 15, and the aforementioned Lawrence with 19. Other nights, we've seen Rink Mass, C.J. Wilcher, and even Josiah Alec carry the load for this team offensively. So there's a collection of dudes on this team that on any given night, three or four of them get hot. They're almost unstoppable. This is three games in a row now winning by uh, over 15 points. I think the average margin of victory over the last three is 18. Um, they've got things rolling in, 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 the po in a very positive direction. And so as we start to zoom out and move on from Indiana, and you start to look at things from a national perspective, things could not be more encouraging over the last week for Nebraska. On, on top of them, obviously blowing out Penn State last Saturday, follow that up with a Wednesday victory at Indiana. We've seen their net ranking go up by 10 spots in the last week from 53 to 43. As of this morning, ESPN Joe Lenardi has them as a 10 seed playing in Florida, actually in Omaha which would be incredibly interesting. Can you imagine those ticket prices? Can't imagine the committee sending them to Omaha in any scenario, but um, it would be really cool and a lot of fun if, if that were to occur. Just too big of a home home court advantage, and I, I don't see the committee doing that, but it, it, it would be interesting to see. Um, and then as of Saturday morning, CBS, Jerry Palm, um, also has us as a 10 seed uh, playing in Salt Lake City against BYU. Uh, don't mind either of those matchups. Obviously, I mean, we're still three three plus weeks out. Um, but a 10 seed in, in both of those brackets playing, um, you know, what I would consider power five, power five schools. And then bracketmatrix.com is a really good tool this time of year. It's updated daily. They track um, bracketology from all over. So, so currently they're tracking 111 brackets. And right now, Nebraska's in all 111 brackets and currently a solid 10 seed. And so really, as you look at this going forward, Nebraska's in a position uh, to play its way out of the tournament. They're not needing to play themselves in at this point. And so as we look at how the, the schedule breaks down moving forward, and, and if you've listened the last several weeks, I tend to break the schedule down into quadrants, right? We've had several four-game stretches. Um, after we got done with that Northwestern game, I said, all right, now we've got a seven-game segment uh, to finish this season. We're now 3-0, beat Michigan at home, beat Penn State at home, at Indiana, got that big road win, so 3-0. When I broke this down a couple weeks ago, I said 6-1, and get you in the tournament, doesn't matter what you do in the Big Ten tournament. 5-2, and two, you're right on that cusp, you're kind of a bubble team, one win in, in the Big Ten tournament would solidify you for sure. Uh, you still might get in without that, but but one would get you in for sure. And then four and three, you got work to do in the Big Ten tournament. So if we break that down now, with three in the back pocket, if if, if I and I still think this is true, if we go three and one down the stretch, which is home against Minnesota this Sunday, at Ohio State versus Rutgers at Michigan. All probably Nebraska's favorite in all three, all four. I have to imagine maybe not at Ohio State, but even if that you're a dog by one or two, if you go three and one, you're in. Doesn't matter what you do in in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, no reason this team can't go three and one. This team could go four and zero oh, the way they're playing right now. If you go two and two, um, I think you're. I mean, it probably depends on which two. 
uh, you lose at Ohio State's not a bad loss. Um, e- even at this point, Minnesota's not a bad loss, although it's at home. Um, but two and two, you're you're leaving it up to the committee at that point. Um, probably want at least one win in the Big Ten tournament to feel safe. Uh, three and one, you're in. Two and two, you're you again. You're iffy. I can't see this team going one and three or zero and four though. That that's not going to happen. So. What, what may be a bit of a hot take is I think this next game, tomorrow night, 5.30 on BTN against Minnesota, is the toughest of the four games remaining. I know it's at home. I feel great about Nebraska at home, as everybody should. Minnesota's on fire right now. They're playing tough. If Minnesota wants to get into a bubbles type of situation and start thinking about NCAA tournament, they have to win at Nebraska tomorrow night. It's not a great matchup. They're physical. They're athletic inside. We saw what they did to us in the second half up in Minneapolis. Um, I think I think tomorrow night's a, a sneaky, sneaky big game. And and if Nebraska gets that one, I don't see them not making the NCAA tournament. They might fall at Ohio State. That's a sneaky now quad one win with them beating Purdue. They're up in the top 75 of the net. But we're going to destroy Rutgers at home, and Michigan has already folded up shop. And so I I think this next game, tomorrow night, it's it's a sneaky, sneaky big game. It's sold out. It, the PBA should be rocking. And so I'm really excited for, for tomorrow night's game to see that atmosphere. Um, hoping the boys come out strong. I, I expect them to come out strong. Um, and just really excited about that situation. So we'll continue to follow Nebraska basketball. Obviously, it's an exciting season. Um, could be a historic season. I like the way this, the makeup of this team. I like how Fred Hoiberg has arranged his starting lineup and then also his 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 bench play and his rotations uh, with C.J. Welcher, Jamarcus Lawrence, and, and then Hoiberg coming off of the bench. Just a really fun team to, to watch and follow. And, and so we will be... Uh, front and center tomorrow night following Minnesota and then Thursday night at Ohio State. We'll break down both of those games next week. Um, and then um, at that point in time, we we'll only have two games left. So we should have a pretty good handle on where things stand uh, this time next week. So with that, let's transition into football. Kind of our bread and butter on this show, but you know, we started this at a weird time in January. It's, it's certainly the off season. It's definitely you know February and May are the really slow months of the off season, which is where we're in uh, right now. But a couple couple nuggets we had been following, and we'll continue to follow the 2025 QB recruiting um, landscape. And we did get some clarity this week. Um, Dylan Duff. Uh, committed this past week to Kansas State. He's a three-star QB out of St. Louis. He was one of the early offers um, here in January. Uh, Never really saw much of a relationship develop or grow there. Never visited. Um, And so he's off the board, goes to Kansas State. Had mentioned a few weeks ago Alex Mansky. He has always been the number one target for this staff since he uh, camped uh, over the summer last year. Um, He committed to, to Iowa State. There was some news there this week. Nate Shieldhouse, who is the offensive coordinator in Ames, he took a position for the Ram- with the Rams. He was Alex Mansky's lead recruiter. 
I don't know that, the, I don't think this opens the door at all for Nebraska. I think Alex Mansky is pretty well, pretty solid for Iowa State. He grew up an Iowa State fan. Um, just, I, I think Campbell's done a great job there developing that relationship. Only, only way anything changes there is if Campbell were to take a new job at the end of the year. Um, and then his teammate, Jack Limbaugh, which is actually a legacy to Nebraska, both of his parents played at, in Lincoln, starting to see some movement and traction there with him going to Iowa State. So I think those two are going to end up being a pair there at, at Iowa State. But, um, where the so so that's kind of the negative, right? But the positive so far, what we got this week is TJ Latif, uh, his consensus four-star, top 250 type recruit nationally. Uh, he confirmed that he's taken an official visit to Nebraska on this for the spring game on April 27th. Um, he has offers from the who's who of college football. Uh, Nebraska does appear to be in a good spot. I've mentioned several times on this podcast, the next checkpoint for QB recruiting is who can they get on campus when uh, it opens back up in March and April? Well, it appears that's going to be TJ Latif. I think the biggest competition there, again, he's got numerous offers, but as quarterbacks commit, obviously those spots start to get fi- start to get filled. I think the biggest um, threat, if you will, right now to Nebraska is Ole Miss. Um, he will be taking a, a visit to Ole Miss in the spring as well. And so um, I, w- I would say T.J. Latif is probably your your number one target there currently. Uh, both Glenn Thomas and Marcus Satterfield went out and visited him in California in January. Sounds like that relationship's only enhanced uh, since that visit. And then again, he will be on campus in, in April. So that's a, a, a big development. Um, one other recruiting uh, note, uh, not necessarily Nebraska-related, but just NCAA-related. I just thought this was kind of silly. Um, so earlier this year, they eliminated, they being the NCAA, eliminated photo shoots on campus for underclassmen. Well, Thursday, they announced schools can no longer decorate a prospect's ho- hotel room on officials. Um, so I know we've all seen those pictures of, of recruits visiting Nebraska. You've got those cookie cakes, balloons, postcards, different things. Um, NCAA said no more to this. Uh, why the NCAA is deciding to attack this issue, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know what makes this so so important. Saw some NIL um, uh, court rulings come out against the NCAA just yesterday on Friday. Uh, sure seems like they should be attacking those issues or maybe the Michigan sign stealing scandal or, or a variety, you know, thousands of other topics over uh, balloons and uh, cookie cakes in hotel rooms. Um, but just another example of the silliness uh, from the NCAA and, and thought I would mention it here because I just I got a chuckle out of that when I saw that. Um, <clears throat> other football uh, newsworthy topics. Uh, Matt Rule sat down uh, for a, a, a long extended interview with Tom Chattel of the Omaha World Herald. Uh, one of the big nuggets that came out of that was uh, Matt Rule's comments on non-schedule or non-conference scheduling. So I, I got three quotes here from the article. Certainly uh, would recommend everybody take a few minutes and, and go read that. Tom Chattel did a great job on this. But so the three quotes that I, I kind of pulled from the article and I think are fascinating and sets up kind of our conversation here is in a year where you hope to play 15 or 16 games, why would you elect to play a really tough game early? Rule said, 
Then he went on to say, a couple years ago, if I had told you we were going to play Oregon and Washington as non-conference games, you'd say, holy smokes. Well, now that's the conference. And then the last quote that I picked up on, he says, I think personally with 18 teams in the Big Ten, you should give yourself the best chance with your scheduling. And so really where he's going with this is, why would you schedule in a non-conference a Power Five opponent? It only, from a strategic perspective, puts you behind teams, say, in the SEC who are playing eight conference games. They may play one Power Five non-con to get you to nine or to get them to nine. We're already playing nine conference games. So why would you put yourself at a strategic disadvantage playing a Power Five non-conference game? Strategically, I can't push back. Um, makes sense, uh, especially for a, a, a team and program who hasn't gone to a bowl game in seven years. Give yourself every opportunity to stack wins, gain momentum, and, and then obviously get into conference play and take your shot there. As a fan, though, it's it's a little bit disconcerting. Um, I'm, I, I wouldn't pay to go see Nebraska play at home, Furman, New Hampshire, Um a, a low-level MAC team, those just don't excite me. As we look at 2024, um, what's the biggest game, home game on the schedule that everybody's excited about? It's, it's Colorado. Would you want to flip Colorado for, say, you know, Northern Illinois or New Hampshire or Furman, some, somebody like that? I, I don't. Um, but again, from a strategic perspective, Matt Rule is spot on. You can't push back on him from a strategic perspective. Just as a fan perspective, a fan of college football, um, I want to see Power Five versus Power Five. Even take Nebraska out of the equation. I want to. I don't want to see like the Texas Alabama game from last year was awesome. I don't want to see that be replaced with Texas, UTEP, and Alabama. You know UAB. Um, I want to see those big time matchups. So it it's it it it's a little bit disconcerting from a fan perspective. But they, you know, the comments got me thinking. So these schedules are developed well in advance. And so in 2024, obviously, we have Colorado. That, that's going to continue. 2025, next year, we actually kick off the season with Cincinnati in Indianapolis, which will be fun. And I don't see that changing. But then after 2025, it becomes interesting. And, and I would be fascinated to hear from Trev Albert. So we've got 2026 is Tennessee at home. 2027s at Tennessee, uh, do those games continue um, or do they look to get out of those contracts and then replace them with lower uh, with lower tier opponents? That would be a, a shame in my opinion, but um, could see it happening. 2028, we have Arizona at home. 29 and 30, Oklahoma comes back on the schedule. I, I again, I, I don't want to see that replaced, but I, I think it's on the table based off of Matt Rule's comments. And then 2023, 2032 is Cincinnati at home. Um, I didn't go beyond 2032, but I also believe there's a uh, home and home scheduled with Oklahoma State in the mid 2030s. Um, so just something to watch and monitor. College football is evolving and changing on a daily basis, not to mention a yearly basis. Uh, heck, Tennessee, you know, the SEC goes from eight to nine. Tennessee could be calling Nebraska and saying, I don't want to play that game. Um, so I, I don't know. I've just got, got it on my radar to monitor this. Is, is, is that, I mean, I, 
I can't imagine a better place to go watch a college football game than at Tennessee, at Rocky Top, in Knoxville um, here in a few years. I, I would hate to see that get taken off of the schedule and replaced with, again, a lower-level Mac school, but um, I think it might happen. And then, you know, Oklahoma, obviously, the history between those two squads. Um, so we'll, we'll monitor. We'll see interesting comments from Matt Rule. Again, I think strategically he's spot on. Um, I, I can't push back on his thought process there. Obviously, the goal is to uh, win as many games as possible, to put yourself in a position to make the college football playoff. Playing three cupcakes or three development-type games early on probably gives you the best opportunity to do just that. Um, but again, as a college football fan, and, and holistically, I want to see Power 5 on, on Power 5. And then the last um, Nebraska football nugget, uh, Bill Belichick will be on campus. So it was announced this week that he'll be the keynote speaker at the spring game uh, or at the spring coaching clinic. So big get for Matt Rule in Nebraska football. Really cool to get one of the goats on campus, not only for the high school coaches, but the current staff. Um, there's no, no one better out there uh, to learn from, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And just uh, going back to now 14, 15 months ago when Matt Rule was hired, Bill Belichick played a big part in that. I don't know if many people know that or remember that that reporting. And so Rule in Nebraska, Trev Albert specifically, they had talked for several weeks. Things were moving in the right direction. Something happened, and they, they kind of went their own or went different directions. Uh, Trev ac actually started to talk to Lance Light, pulled Chris Kleiman, a couple other coaches where it looked like there was some traction there. And then it was it was Bill Belichick who circled back with Admiral Carter, president at Nebraska at the time, and said, hey, Matt, Matt wants to come back to the table. Um, he's interested in, in the job. And so that brought Matt Rule and uh, ultimately Admiral Carter and Trev Alberts back to the table. They were able to get it done to bring Matt Rule uh, to, to campus and as the head football coach at Nebraska. So big get there for Matt Rule. Um, really excited for some of the, the local high school coaches for that. And then obviously... Um, just the Nebraska coaching staff in general. So something to monitor, something to watch, um, and, and something really cool for the program overall. So with that, let's transition into some Nebraska baseball headlines. Um, this time last week, we had just finished up uh, the Baylor matchup, a huge, huge win to kick off the season, 1-0. I had mentioned in the pod this time last week, I said we got Texas Tech, we got Oklahoma competition ratchets up. Um, if we can get one of those two feel really good coming out of the weekend, I had gone into the weekend thinking if we can just get one, go one and two, it's, it's a win, but you start to get greedy after that first one Saturday, uh, up three to two late, um, then three to three going into the ninth. We give up three runs, ultimately lose to Texas tech six to three, nothing to be shamed of there. Texas tech's a, a, a power in the big 12. They're going to be in the big 12 race till the end. Sunday, though, um, hurt. Um, so Sunday versus Oklahoma, you're up 5-1, to one, then 6-3. to three, You're up 6-5 to five going into the bottom of the ninth. Give up two runs in the bottom of the ninth, lose 7-6. to six. Uh, Brutal loss, something that we've seen quite a bit from this team in recent years. Just don't have that back-end kind of stopper since Schwellenbach uh, went, on to, uh, went on to the pros. Um, but putting, putting that disappointment to the side, I came away... I went into the weekend wanting one and two. We got that. Um, 
I was really impressed overall with the pitching staff, um, the timely offense for such an early early game and a northern team going down south to play some some really good competition. Um, that that competition that they saw last weekend is probably the best competition they're going to see, perhaps outside of Iowa, who's off to a bit of a slow start. Um, and then we'll see who else comes out of the Big Ten. But I, I would imagine Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Baylor is going to be about as good of a competition they're going to see all year. Um, so then we we fast forward, kicked off a four-game series in Phoenix this weekend at Grand Canyon. Um, Grand Canyon, I, I doubt many people know about Grand Canyon, but they came into the weekend with a 4-0 record. They had some impressive wins versus Georgetown, USC, BYU, and Ohio State. Their pitching was... Um, unbelievable the, those four games I think that around a two ERA for the staff holistically uh, Thursday came out Nebraska won seven to two Drew Christo was really the story here six innings seven hits one and run came into Nebraska two years ago as a big time prospect uh, really hasn't lived up to that hype struggled with command um, had a really good summer was excited about his development over the summer um, had a little bit of a, a an arm issue during camp, and so we didn't um, didn't start uh, that opening opening weekend series, but did get the Thursday start. Pitched great. Uh, offense had some timely hitting, really good defense behind him. Uh, so we got the win there, seven to two. And then last night, Friday, um, uh, another win, eleven to one. Uh, Brett Sears started another solid outing. He's turning into a really interesting and, and solid Friday starter. Six innings, two hits, zero runs, seven Ks. Offense exploded. I think they had 17 hits. Josh Karen with two huge bombs to center, three runs, five RBIs. And so that sets us up for game three tonight. Um, will Walsh will be starting. And then that series will wrap up tomorrow with Caleb Clark starting. Um, I came into this series hoping for two and two, um, so they've already got two. Kind of a similar situation when we talked last week. I want to get greedy now, get one of these last two, come out of this weekend three and one would be huge. Um, again, these are true road games against a very solid program in Grand Canyon. Start to think forward to towards the end of the season, RPI, things of that nature. Um, these are the games that are really going to help that come uh come may and then into june so let's let's get one at least one one more here and then next weekend um is another four game series true road series in charleston south carolina against college of charleston uh they're currently off to a five and oh start so the the quality competition is certainly going to continue uh for this squad and it'll be interesting to see them develop i'm encouraged with their overall pitching depth um the offense is starting to click a little bit Still too many strikeouts for my liking on the offensive side, but a lot of timely hitting. Um, there was a lot of two-out RBIs yesterday, um, a lot of walks taken. And so, again, you got to remember it's a northern team going south for the first time playing squads that have been practicing outdoors for a good month and a half. Um, and so I think I, I think this team's got some potential, though, and I'm, I'm excited to see how tonight and tomorrow go. Um, and then, obviously, we'll... Uh, start to then uh, look forward to College of Charleston when we when we connect next week. So with that, that'll wrap up baseball. Um, transition into a couple of national storylines before we wrap up. 
Uh, first one's exciting uh, for me. Uh, it may be my, more in my generation and then younger. Is, so EA Sports announced uh, a couple years ago, actually, that they were going to be bringing back the, the new college football video game. We got some news on that Thursday. Uh, there, this is kind of the first, um, I'm not sure what they call it, but an all-encompassing NIL package for all of college football. Uh, so any, uh, there's going to be 85 players per team. Every single Division One team has signed up to be included in this game. Notre Dame was, was the last holdout they've signed on. And so they announced on Thursday that any player can opt in um, and when they do so, they get $600 per player and a free copy of the video game. Um, obviously, they don't have to opt in. If they decide not to opt in, they won't be in the game. Um, but a really cool opportunity for, for those those players. Um, Kirk Herbstreet, Chris Bowler, they've been out um, kind of promoting the game this these last few days. They're going to be, um, it's been confirmed, they're in the game. They'll be calling uh, the games. Uh, Nebraska actually made a couple of social media posts confirming they are in the game. Um, so I'm excited for this. So we're, we're going to get a full preview in May and then a summer uh, rollout. Not a no specific date has been announced uh, there. But we, if, if you go off of tradition, probably looking first, second week of July, there would be my guess. Uh, but we will certainly be getting a copy and, and playing here uh, in the Big Red Huddle household. So. Uh, and then the last national storyline, we got some changes coming to the college football playoff. There's some interesting nuggets here, and I don't know how much um, how how much ground it really got nationally. And so th this week they did approve a five plus seven model. Before the Pac-12 blew up, it was a six plus six model. Uh, six automatic bids to the six highest conference winners, and then. Uh, six like at-large bids. They've shifted that with the death of the Pac-12. Five plus seven, so you have your top five conference champs will get auto bids. The top four conference champs will get first-round buys. And that's an interesting nugget there because Notre Dame is not a, as you everybody knows, right? They're not affiliated with a conference. And so they are not eligible for one of those first four first round buys. So if Notre Dame is number one in the country going into the playoff, the best they can be is the five seed and they have to win four games to win a national title. So does that force them eventually into a conference? I, I don't know if it does. I don't know the answer to that. But right now, Notre Dame is ineligible for a first-round buy in the college football playoff. That, that's wild, and, and I think it's the right move. Um, I, I, I like that uh, like that development. Now, this model, this 5 plus 7 model, is going to be in place for, for just two seasons, 2024-2025. Contracts up after 2025. They're already starting negotiations, and they're already having conversations around what 2026 looks like and beyond. Um, some early indications is they're already looking to expand perhaps to 14. So a 14-team playoff would look very similar to how the um, NFL has their setup. So that would be two two buys instead of the four. Um, no, no conversations have been had, or at least nothing's leaked as far as what that model would be from an automatic bid perspective. Um, have been some reports out there that the Big Ten and SEC are trying to flex a little bit and receive four auto bids each, so eight of the 14 spots. I can't see that happening. Um, obviously, you got to ask, and you got to 
um, push your weight around with that new alliance. Um, that that would be a lot in in my view. Either way, with a 14-team playoff, you can probably expect three to four of each from those conferences just based off of strength overall. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what movement we get here in the next few weeks or really during the offseason for that 2026 and beyond and those new uh, th those negotiations and then that ultimately that new TV contract. Um, but certainly it looks like we're heading towards a, even an ex a more expanded playoff after these next two seasons. So we'll continue to monitor national storylines and bring them to you each week. Um, again, from a football perspective, we're in a little bit of a dead period. We've got some schools kicking off uh, spring football. Nebraska won't uh, kick off their spring football activities until uh, after spring break and end of March, looking around like a March 22nd to 25th kickoff there, obviously the April 27th spring game. Um, and so we'll continue to see winter conditioning uh, play out here over the next month. So with that, that, that brings us up. We're going to wrap up today's or this week's show. Thank you for taking time to listen. As always, you can find us on Twitter and X at Big Red Huddle. We're on all your streaming services, uh, on podcast services, uh, Apple iTunes. We are on um, YouTube at Big Red Huddle, um, Spotify at Big Red Huddle. Take some time. Please give us a like, a follow, a rating, uh, interact with us, give us feedback. We're always looking to learn, develop, and bring you material that you're looking to uh, interact with. So give us a follow, and we will talk to you next week. Go Big Red.